0: everybody has to be able to play piano as a music major and that was extremely difficult for me (laughs) Um, and so I took the test uh, at least three times and failed it and had some well-meaning professors that said you know Emily this is just one of those hoops you need to jump through Um, and then after this you don't ever have to play piano again if you don't want to and and I was like that's probably a really good idea because it's very obvious that I am not very good at this. I did pass, finally, and this was all before I met Mark, too, um, and I didn't play again um, for close to ten years.
1: I've never thought of myself as like a, a great musician. I grew up playing stuff, um, which definitely gives me the base to kind of jump around like I have, but it's always been, like, it's always been needs-based. They, they needed a bass guitarist when I was in high school. And then I, when I went to college, I, I got hooked up playing bass there, and one day they said, hey, uh, we need an electric guitarist. And I said, I, I guess, I mean, if you really need one, uh, but and again, they, were, they, they, they didn't kick me out as soon as I played one note, they, they helped me grow. It's like, hey, we need this, and it's like, I mean, if nobody else is gonna step up, I guess, you know, hey, that's me.
0: It was his encouragement and sitting for years, watching him on worship teams, longing to be up there, just with the thought, like, I just don't have the skills to do that. Um, And so he was the one that said, you can.
1: It didn't didn't happen overnight. No.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We've
1: always had a piano at home, but some poking and prodding and yeah, you can do it. Let's, you know, let's play this song or.
0: I still have doubt and fear and confidence issues. there's definitely every time you go up to get on stage a moment of like oh no (laughs) like (laughs) there's a quote it's kind of like I always circle around back to it every now and then in life and um, it's just a good reminder and uh, it's Henry Van Dyke and he said "Uh, use what talents you possess the woods would be very silent if no birds sang except those that sang the best and so I think that's just food for thought that um, no matter what, uh, God's going to use you, even in your uh, inability or doubt or fear. Um, he's got a plan for you, and uh, all you have to do is really take that one step in the right direction, or in any direction, and He's going to guide you to where you're supposed to be, so.
2: Awesome, don't you just love those guys? Oh my goodness, oh my goodness, I love their story. And I don't want you to overlook the significance of what Mary was talking about. She's basically saying we're opening up our children's and teens ministries next Sunday. So all the parents, they're the ones doing the happy dance right now. And so that's, that's, we're really, really excited about that. Maybe you haven't been here in person yet, but those of you who have been here, we've got the blue markings, the nice dots that are all six feet apart. We're controlling the flow of people. So as you come in through our main entrance, you leave behind the stage. We use hospital grade chemicals to cleanse everything and clean everything. The same things we're doing over here, we're gonna be doing over there in the children's ministries areas. And so we're so thrilled about opening things up. If you feel comfortable going to the restaurant or if you feel comfortable shopping, you will feel comfortable coming to church. And so, But of course, we're gonna keep just knocking it out of the park online with our resources and options there as well. But hey, I want you to know that as we start off our children's ministries and youth ministries in 456, we really do need your help. We need about 30 people for 10 o'clock, 30 people for the 1130 service. And so right now we can't do it. So, but this is a no pressure sell. Here's what I know. This church is full of people who have faith. And every time you guys come through and God's gonna do great things and we're gonna see them happen and we're just trusting that all that's gonna work out. So thanks so much for being a part of that. And by the way, just a shout out for 456, check out my shirt. Am I looking good today or what? Oh my goodness, yes. I mean, this could be you. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. (laughs) Well, I hope you were here last week when Pastor Greg talked about the power in John the Baptist story. He helped us process how to deal with doubt. And I thought a good follow-up to that would be a story about Thomas. Thomas was one of Jesus' disciples and he had a nickname that's actually become like a figure of speech. And so his nickname is this, it's Doubting Thomas. And what an awful nickname because it doesn't describe who he was at all. It's not very nice. But here's what we do know about Thomas. He was a thinker. He's a logical guy. He, he looks toward the future and, and he's just one of these people, he's kind of a problem solver. And he, he looks at a circumstance and he thinks he sees what's going to happen. And we see this a little bit in John 11. You see, Jesus received word that his good friend Lazarus was sick, like really, really, really sick. And the disciples knew that Jesus would wanna go visit Lazarus and Mary and Martha. They said, uh, Lord, uh, remember the religious leaders, they want to stone you. And they live in Bethany, which is like a 15 minute walk from Jerusalem where all the religious leaders are. And so Jesus holds back. Thomas and the disciples think he's holding back because he doesn't wanna run in with those guys. Then Jesus says, our friend Lazarus has died. And I'm glad because we're gonna go be over there and you guys are gonna build your faith. And Thomas, he uses my favorite spiritual gift of all, the spiritual gift of sarcasm. And he says, wonderful, let's all go with you, Jesus, so that we can die too. (laughs) Come on, that's just a little bit funny, just a little bit funny. And another time we see Thomas in the gospels is when Jesus is explaining to the disciples in John 14 that he's going to go away, that he's going to die. And they did not like this. This was very disconcerting to them. And Jesus said, I'm going away to prepare a place for you so that you can be with me right where I am. And then Jesus said, you know the way and the place where I'm going. And the disciples did the same thing that we do when someone in power and authority tells us, now, you know what I'm talking about, right? They all went, yeah, but they didn't know what Jesus was talking about. And Thomas raised his hand and said, "Uh, Lord, we don't know the way, we don't know what you're talking about. And then Jesus responded to Thomas's beautiful question with a wonderful statement. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. So Thomas was a thinker. He was logical. You might even call him a half glass full kind of guy, but that's not a bad thing. That's how God wired him up. And God wants us to use how we're wired up to bring glory and honor to him. Thomas loved asking questions and Jesus loves him for it. So I want to set the stage for our scripture today. It's in John 20. In John 20, it's like the victory lap for Christians. This is the day that Jesus has risen from the dead. He's already appeared to Mary. Mary was overjoyed. She ran and told the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And the disciples don't know what to think. They are terrified and afraid. And so we pick up in verse 19 with the disciples. So if you would uh, check out the words on the screen. And here at Union Chapel, we stand in honor of reading God's word. So if you would join me in standing as we begin in John 20, verse 19. And on evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, the doors were locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord and also freaked out too. And again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If anyone's sins are forgiven, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Thomas and Didymus are two names that mean twin. He was one of the 12. He was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And a week later, the disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side, stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God, and Jesus told him, because you've seen me, you've believed, but blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Thank you, you may be seated. We all have questions, don't we? In fact, sometimes we have some really, really big questions and some really, really challenging questions This is an invitation for us to bring our questions to Jesus and to find the answers that we need. So the title for today's message is asking questions and finding answers. And so there's two points. The first point is asking questions. You'll never guess what the second point is. You'll never guess, it's a total mystery. But here's the first thing that Thomas teaches us about asking questions. It's that Jesus will go to great lengths to answer your questions. It's a beautiful thing. I mean, Jesus has a special place in his heart for people with genuine questions. I want you to think about what just happened, about what we just read. Because we know that Jesus was a Star Trek fan. You know, he did the beep, beep, beep. And then he said, he beamed right into the middle of the disciples and, you know, sound effects and everything. Jesus appeared right in the middle of the disciples and they were freaking out. And then he said, peace be with you. And he prayed for them and and filled them with the Holy Spirit. And then the disciples went and told Thomas and Thomas basically kind of told them off. And then a week later, Jesus does the same thing. He says, let's beam right into the middle of the disciples, right in front of Thomas. And the significance of that is that Jesus went through all of that. He went through all those motions just for Thomas. And that encourages me because my heart isn't always ready for God. My heart isn't always ready to respond to him. And I want you to know, just like Jesus, just like he came back for Thomas, he's coming back for you. He is waiting for you. He cares deeply about you. And I want you to sense the intimacy of this moment. You see, the language here indicates that Jesus probably grabbed Thomas's finger and Jesus put Thomas's finger and pressed it into the hole in his hand. What if Thomas's Fingertip felt the heartbeat of Jesus as blood was pumping through his veins. And then it says, Jesus opened up his cloak and he lifted up his shirt. It's okay, I'm wearing an undershirt. You can send thank you notes later. But I want you to feel the intimacy of this moment. How close it is. He pressed Thomas's hand into the wound in his side. He wasn't belittling Thomas. He was welcoming him. So it's incredibly personal. Another, another great truth that we learn about Thomas' interaction about asking questions is that we must know the emotional context for our questions. I've been a pastor for 25 years, and of course I started when I was 12, ha ha. ha. But over the years, I love talking to people about spiritual questions, And we always kind of naturally go to the intellectual side of things and process those. And and I feel like I'm pretty good at that. I really do. I feel like I can identify with people and see things from their perspective and do the back and forth and kind of see how they're wired up and offer solutions and perspectives. And sometimes I might offer a perspective that I don't necessarily agree with, but it's biblical. And so I want them to feel the power of their ability to find those answers and experience things. And And after I meet with them, um, I'll ask them, hey, was that helpful? And sometimes I'll get, oh yeah. But a lot of times I just get, sure. Well, I'm not looking for a sure, I want a yes. And so I was talking to Pastor Greg and then Pastor Greg looked at me and in his best Yoda voice, he said, the question behind the question you must ask. So here's, here's what he was saying. You have to look for the reason behind the reason. Because so many times, We hide our emotional issues, our emotional pain behind an intellectual question. And an intellectual answer can't deal with our emotional pain. In fact, when people uh, tell Pastor Greg and even me, I can't believe in God, and they will give a reason, a logical reason, or a reason that's logical to them. Almost always, if we ask enough questions, we find that there's some pain in their heart because their life is in shambles and they can't believe that God let that happen to them. So the real reason is their pain. And the same thing when people say, hey, I can't go to Union Chapel anymore and they give a reason. And typically the reason is really that they felt forgotten that their expectations weren't met. And this was certainly true for Thomas. This was so true for him. And remember Thomas, he was one of the disciples. Jesus said, come follow me. And Thomas followed Jesus for three years. And I'm not talking about following him on Instagram. He was with him all the time. He saw Jesus raise the dead. Thomas was one of the people who was breaking the bread, the two loaves and two fish that they used to feed 5,000 men and their families. Phenomenal miracles happened around Thomas. In fact, we know Thomas was one of the 12 and Jesus sent all of them out to preach the good news of the kingdom of God. And so Thomas laid his hands on people and they were healed. He spoke and demons were cast out of people. It's a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing, friends. So all these things were moving inside of Thomas. And I want you to know that that Thomas, he he had this picture in his mind of how things were supposed to be. He had these expectations because when Jesus preached about the kingdom of God, it lit his heart on fire. He would get so excited because not only did he wanna get rid of the Roman oppression, but he wanted to see Jesus established as the king of the Jews and just not only that, the king of the world. So imagine with me in November when we walk into our ballot box and we see another option there and it says, Jesus Christ, Messiah of the world. It's like, oh, I'm pressing that button right there. And so Jesus had all these expectations. I mean, Thomas had all these expectations about what Jesus would do, about what it would be like to have the Messiah in place. And then let's go to the garden of Gethsemane. Thomas is there with the other disciples. Judas walks up to him, to Jesus, betrays him with a kiss and hands Jesus over to the religious leaders. But before they take Jesus, the spirit comes and the book of John tells us that it knocked every single one of the soldiers back on their backs. Everybody was on their can. And I bet Thomas thought, yes, let your kingdom come. Let's overthrow this now, let's make this happen, Jesus. Peter got in on it too. He drew his sword and tried to chop this guy's head in half missed, and cut his ear off. What does Jesus do? He picks up Malchus's ear and sticks it back on his head. And then to Thomas, Jesus does the unthinkable. He hands himself over to the religious leaders. And Thomas thinks, surely Jesus is going, surely Jesus is going to vindicate himself. The first trial comes, the next trial, all the way through to the cross and Jesus dies. And when Jesus died, Thomas's hopes and expectations died too. And it crushed him because friends, Intellectual answers can't deal with emotional pain. So what's the question behind your question? What's going on in your life when you have questions about God? There's another thing that Thomas teaches us is that we don't wanna let our feelings deceive us. I know you're not gonna be impressed when I tell you this and you're gonna wish you had a better pastor. You need an upgrade pastor. But there are times when my feelings don't line up with God's word. There are times when what I want aren't what Jesus wants. And I'm thankful to know that I'm in good company because that's all of our experiences, isn't it? And Thomas, he did, he let his feelings get the best of him. He lashed out at God, he lashed out at his friends. And you see, when you look at this from a completely logical standpoint, I mean, Thomas had all these supernatural things happen in his life. You think that Thomas would have at least considered his friends when they said, "Uh, we've seen the Lord, Thomas. And he pushed them away, dismissed them. It's because his pain was so deep. It's because he let his feelings deceive him. Now, feelings are a God for us, aren't they? They're the ultimate standard of truth in these days. It's like the gold standard of what's right and what's wrong. And here's here's what happens to us. We think, how could I question what I feel? That would be so unauthentic. And if I'm not true to myself, you know, what worth is that? I've gotta be true to myself. I can't deny myself. I can't, I can't be not who I am. And so we place this huge stock in our feelings. I can't tell you how many times I've sat across the table or across my office from someone and, I, and I've just spent time explaining uh, principles on how to live life that come from God's word. And not only that, they're backed up by history, research and counselors. And then with two little words, they sweep away all that evidence and all that advice. They say, well, I feel. And so we have these high expectations of, that our feelings lead us in the right direction and they don't. Maybe you don't believe this. Maybe you're like the rest of our culture and, and you're hanging on to those feelings. Just think about this. Do a little personal survey. Think back into your own life. Think back to a time, something you did that you regret. You got it? For me, I've got like a bunch of options to choose. But for every single one of them, I remember how I felt right before I made that decision. And I thought, oh, it's gonna be fine. This will be great. This will make me happy. You fill in the blank. Were my feelings right? No, they weren't. Or maybe you can conduct this little experiment in your life. You see, we all have relationships. Maybe you have a relationship with your boss or a professor Maybe your parents or your kids, your spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, roommates, you do this, do and say whatever you feel when you feel it. And you just let me know how that goes for you. Well, all of a sudden our feelings aren't quite as reliable as we thought they would be, huh? I want you to know that Jesus cares about how you feel, he does, but we can't let our feelings deceive us and take us away from what God has for us. So as we shift gears, a second big point of the message today is finding answers. And the first thing that Thomas teaches us is to find our answers from people that you trust. You see, we've got to have trustworthy people in our lives. And so this doesn't mean you take your questions to Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. I mean, there's so much hate in this world. There's so much confusion and so many varying opinions. You've got to find people who are connected to God to speak into your life, to help you find the right answers. Think about this, this philosophical truth. You can't be objective about yourself by yourself. You have to have the input of others. Now, of course, we can grow in our self-understanding, but you can't be objective about yourself with just your own perspective. You need the input and advice of others. And I began thinking about Jesus' interaction with Thomas. And we know that Jesus really, really wanted to appear to Thomas. And so why didn't Jesus, right after he appeared to the disciples, just go, you know, zoom right in to wherever Thomas was? Maybe Thomas was sitting on the couch, watching Netflix with his girl, or maybe he was having coffee at Starbucks with a friend. Why didn't Jesus just appear there? It's because Thomas wasn't ready. You see, Thomas needed his friends to help him get the right perspective. And the the disciples, they helped Thomas get over the feelings that blinded him from the truth that Jesus Christ had risen from the dead. This reminds me of the encouraging words in Hebrews 10, verse 24. It says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as we see the day approaching. Because friends, the right people, the right advice, the right input will help you get the right answers. And of course, the natural progression from that is to find answers from Jesus. You've got to take your questions to Jesus. And I know what you're thinking, Glenn, we're sitting in church. No, duh, thank you, Pastor Obvious. Of course, we have to ask Jesus these questions. But let me push back just a little bit. Imagine that you have questions about me, like more than what's your favorite food? Where were you born? But you have serious questions about, does Glenn really care? Is Glenn's character broken? Is he a bad person? And so you're not quite so likely to come and ask me that because you don't know how I'm going to respond. But the good news is that Jesus doesn't have a fragile little ego like me. Jesus knows exactly how you feel and he loves you for it. He loves you because he knows that you're genuine. He loves you because he knows that you're honest and sincere. And I want you to think of it this way. Thomas had Jesus' respect. You know, Jesus didn't put Thomas in a headlock and shove his face in the wound at his side and give him a noogie and say, hey, now who rose from the dead now? No, Jesus was very tender and compassionate with Thomas. Think of it this way. Jesus never gives you the eye roll. You know how this works. Maybe your parent or your boss or a friend of yours yours tells you something and you might be smiling on the outside, but inside you're going, oh my goodness, I can't believe this. And sometimes we think Jesus does that to us. That is never, ever the case. Consider the words of Hebrews 4.15. It says that we have a high priest who can sympathize with our weaknesses And if Jesus sympathizes with your weaknesses, he understands your questions. He cares about your questions. Remember, you will never find answers to your questions about Jesus until you ask him. And so we ask him through prayer. We pray and we listen and Jesus will speak to you in your thoughts. Another way that Jesus speaks to us is as I just mentioned, through our friends and trusted people. And when you hear those answers, you will find that Jesus is, is here for you. So listen to him, listen for him. Another very important thing we learn from Thomas's life about finding answers is this. And I love this. I love this statement. We have to stop questioning ourselves in unhealthy ways. You see, when Jesus was talking to Thomas, he told him to stop doubting and believe. Now we already know that Thomas, that he was he was like wired up to be this logical, factual guy. He's a thinker, he's a processor. And so he just literally saw Jesus appear in front of him. He put his finger and his hand in Jesus' wounds. And so put yourself in Thomas's shoes. He's like totally finished doubting. It's like, he doesn't have any problems believing that Jesus rose from the dead. But the very first thing Jesus says is stop doubting and believe. And I think what Jesus was referring to is Jesus saying, stop doubting yourself. Stop questioning yourself. Friends, we do this all the time. We question ourselves in unhealthy ways. We throw ourselves under the bus so much so that we limit what God can do in our lives. You know what happened to Thomas in this moment, don't you? Just the same thing that would have happened to you and to me. As soon as he experienced Jesus, his brain went right to every single time that Jesus predicted his own death and resurrection. He remembered Jesus referring to all these Old Testament scriptures that were fulfilled right before his very eyes. And then he also reflected back on how God had moved through him and used him. He thought, I'm such an idiot. I can't believe I didn't believe. I am not worthy of this. And so Jesus looks him in the eye. He says, stop doubting and believe. Stop questioning. Stop questioning yourself. Don't question yourself out of what Jesus has for you. Just to kind of drive this point home, I want to tell you about two men I visited in the hospital. One was years and years and years ago. Back in the day, I could walk into the clergy office, type in Union Chapel's secret code, and I would get a printout of everybody in the system coded with Union Chapel. It was great. I could surprise people and pray for them. They go, how did you know I was in the hospital? Because when you go into the hospital, you're not thinking, well, I'm gonna call Pastor Glenn so he can pray for me. You're thinking, how do I get to the hospital? I gotta make sure everything's gonna be okay. Until my... So you've got so many other things to worry about. So it's great for me to surprise people, but sometimes people surprise me. And one time this happened and there was a man in the room and I said, hey, I'm Glenn from Union Chapel. So good to see you. He says, who the heck are you? What the heck is Union Chapel? I don't go to church anywhere. How did you, how did you get my room number? I apologized and told him why. And I said, well, I'm sorry for bothering you. And it's obvious you're not having a good day. Would it be okay if I prayed for you before you left? He said, knock yourself out. So I went, oh goody, here we go. And so I began to pray. God is my witness. The power of God filled the room. I mean, it may not be a big shocker that there were tears coming out of my eyes, but this man who I'd never met before, he was sobbing. He felt the love and the presence and the grace of God all over him. He felt the power of Jesus, his acceptance in his, in his grace. It was phenomenal. It was phenomenal. And when we were praying, I thought this guy's gonna be so ready to give his life to Jesus. Oh man. And so I made the offer. I explained to him that Jesus wants a relationship with him. And he's like, I don't know if I can. I was like, wait, did you feel what I felt? He goes, oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, that was real. He said, oh yeah. He said, but I, I just can't do it. He said, I don't have, well, he didn't use the word hiney, but I don't have hiney anything. And I just don't think I can hold up my end of the deal. And I said, I said, Jesus, it's his job. He offers us salvation as a free gift. All we have to do is receive. And I went on and on and on. And he still could not stop questioning himself. He actually asked me to leave. And I went back the other day, the next day, and he was gone. Fast forward to just a couple weeks ago. I'm speaking with a man who has just made some really hard choices in it with his life. In fact, these choices have cost him seriously. They're like, they've seriously compromised his health in dramatic ways. Cost him his job, relationships with family. And all these issues are just compounding. He has some big questions. And I said, hey, bud, how about we pray together? I said, why don't you just pray after me? So we prayed a simple prayer of forgiveness. We prayed a simple prayer for him to be filled with the spirit. And oh my goodness, the presence of God came, filled him, filled me. It was phenomenal. In fact, I was done praying, but he wasn't finished praying. He's like, oh Jesus, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. I need more of that. You are so good, God. You see the difference between these two men. One of them, He questioned himself, but not in unhealthy ways. And the first one, he let his questions of himself, keep him away from God, which leads us to our last thought today. My favorite thought of this whole message is that the ultimate answer to your questions is the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus answers our questions to move us closer to him. So when Jesus answers your question, he doesn't just want to give you a great answer. He wants you to be filled with the power of God. He wants you to experience God's goodness and his grace. Now, you might roll your eyes at me a little bit, but right after Jesus interacts with Thomas and says, Thomas, you gotta stop doubting and believe. And then he makes a statement. He said, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. And he said, blessed are those who have not seen and have yet believed. What Jesus did in that moment, he pulled a Ferris Bueller I mean, if you've seen that movie, one of the things that he does is Ferris Bueller looks into the camera in the middle of the movie and addresses the audience. So Jesus is speaking to you and to me. He said, blessed are you who, even though you haven't seen, that you believe. And I always thought, well, you know, that's, that's because, you know, it's so much harder for us because we haven't seen, you know, the resurrected body of Jesus. We haven't seen his wounds. We, didn't, we weren't able to do all of that. There's some truth behind that, but the word blessed doesn't mean that. The word blessed means happy. The word blessed means fortunate to be envied. So why are we the lucky ones? You see, friends, we're the lucky ones because we are able to receive the Holy Spirit. We're able to receive his grace. We have the Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us and drawing us to himself. Just like Jesus breathed on the disciples, he wants to breathe on you and on me. And friends, I believe that every single person in the sound of my voice, whether you're in this room or you're watching online, I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to fill you today. That as we pray, that he wants to move into your life. He wants you to experience him, his goodness and his love and his grace. That was true for Thomas. Jesus breathed on him and he received the power of the Holy Spirit and Thomas's life was forever changed. Here's what the Bible doesn't tell us about Thomas, but history does. Thomas took the good news of the kingdom of Jesus, the good news of God's salvation all over India. And he was having such an impact that it got the attention of the Hindu priests. And the Hindu priests, they put a price out on Thomas's head and they tracked down Thomas and they put him on trial and right in front of those priests, they demanded that Thomas deny Jesus and stop preaching this gospel. And Thomas said, I can't. And then on December 1st, December 21st in the year 53 in Madras, India, Thomas died for his faith. That spear entered his chest. And so friends, the ultimate answer to your questions is so much bigger than truth or facts. The answer you are looking for is the Holy Spirit. He wants to fill you. He wants to change the destiny of your life because all we have to do is receive his spirit. And as we receive his spirit, we experience his power when his spirit moves through us. And I've got, I've got a little challenge for you. Every single one of us, we have people in our lives who need an encouraging word from us. I don't care if you're a kid, if you're a grandma, you're a grandpa, or anyone in between. You can say something good encouraging and helpful to someone else. Pray for them. Go get a drink with them. Grab some coffee. Call them up, or maybe even handwrite a letter. It's so meaningful. It will have such a profound impact in their life. Well, as I mentioned, we're kicking off our children's ministries and youth ministries next Sunday. You know, maybe you could uh, do a craft or sit down with a kiddo, help them realize that Jesus really is their friend and wants a relationship with them that's like real and tangible and meaningful. Or maybe you could play a game with a fourth, fifth, or sixth grader and help them realize that Jesus doesn't see them as a kid, but he's got big plans for their life. Or maybe you could play nine square or hang out with a teenager and help them realize that, you know, somebody really does care about me. I really am worth it. And when you do, you will experience the fire and the power of the Holy Spirit move through you. It's this transforming thing. You can be a part of that. So when you ask questions, don't settle for a simple answer. When you can have the fire of God burning in your heart. So friends, would you bow your heads and pray with me as the worship team comes up? Jesus, we come before you, and first of all, we're just so aware of all the ways we failed. God, I've been so selfish. I've been afraid. I've been prideful. Maybe you can think of some of the attitudes and actions in your own heart. As you bring those up, just say, Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me. Lord, I don't understand everything, but I believe. I don't have all the answers, but I cling to you. I rely on you. I give all of myself to you. Because Jesus, I know that you, you are bigger than my questions. Your love for me is so much bigger than my shortcomings. And so no more excuses, Jesus. No more insisting, I'm not good enough. No more waiting. I place my life in your hands. I declare that I believe that you are the Messiah, that you are the Son of God, that you died on the cross and rose from the dead for me. And I surrender all of myself to you, Jesus. And I've been demanding answers, but what I really need, I really need the Holy Spirit. I receive your forgiveness I receive your acceptance, but most of all, I receive you, Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, let the power of God fill your heart right now. Let the encouragement of God flow out of heaven into your very being. And by the power of Jesus, you are free from your insecurity and pain. In Jesus' name, you can be the person that he has called you to be because you're a person with passion and hope and love, and life. Jesus, we commit all of ourselves to you, and we pray these things in your precious, wonderful, and loving name. Amen. Well, church, if you would, stand to your feet as we sing together and welcome the presence of the Holy Spirit into our lives.